0: The man who led our COVID-19 response is heading off. So too is long-serving Labour MP Lewis Awall, And it's been a big week for our Police Minister. One News Inside Parliament. Welcome to One News Inside Parliament, it's a regular catch up about the political stories we have been covering on One News. I'm Jessica Much Mackay. I'm Mikey Sherman.
1: And I'm Benedict Collins.
0: Thank you so much for being with us today, we really appreciate you guys listening in. Let's start with our pits, peaks and interesting points. And I might start off for this one because I've got a bit of a a gruesome story. I did an interview with Tim Vandermolen who is the Waikato MP. He fell off some scaffolding, broke both his arms and fractured his neck and his ribs and told me in quite vivid detail about how his bones one of his bones of his arm was was protruding and um, mixing in with the dirt and he then had to wait for 20 minutes for the ambulance to come. And he said, and he was conscious the whole time and said it um, felt like the longest 20 minutes of his life. So there's a a nice little anecdote to start off. Um, Mikey's face, you guys can't see this, but Mikey's face is um, very perturbed by this She looks a little pale. She does look a tiny bit. I am disturbed (laughs) by that picture. Uh, We'll move on quickly then.
2: What's your... Pit, peak or interesting point, Miss Sherman? Um, I can't start uh, the podcast without mentioning the passing of the great Māori leader, Dr. Moana Jackson. A quiet revolutionary and a quiet radical according to Justice, Sir Joe Williams. Uh, he was a game changer, change maker for te ao Māori. Nō uh, reira, moi He was just a good
0: guy, I think, too, from all of our...
2: Experience and dealings with, and him. um, and a change maker right to the end with one of his parting wishes being that women be able to speak on the marae a role generally reserved for men. And I think you know those of us in the political arena, particularly, remember the issue being raised at Waitangi last year, with then uh, opposition leader Judith Collins kicking up a fuss about not being able to speak on the marae. Um, So one of Mona Jackson's parting wishes was for uh, women to be able to speak at his tangihanga. We saw the likes of Annette Sykes uh, speak on the marae and he said that was because his... um, You know, and this is obviously through one of his close friends, Annette Sykes, who said um, that, you know, his, the people, his soldiers that had stood beside him and with him during his years of um, fighting for Māori rights and Te Tiriti o Waitangi to be recognised, his soldiers standing next to him were all women. Um, And so that was a a nod to them um, at the end there, and it was beautiful. A really strong story on Friday. I'm well. going to
1: swap out my peak and ask you to tell us a little bit more about this um, interview you've done with Tim Vandermont. Um, sure. Uh, how is he?
0: He's, he said he's okay, but when I talked to him, he said, Look, I can only sit for 15 minutes. And for a member of parliament, and he says, Oh, I'm going to try and do some stuff on Anzac Day, um, you know, is it because he's the Waikato MP? And then he says he's going to try and come back in May to parliament. And. I just think, you know, for those, especially for MPs that, um, you know, they, don't, they can't just come in and out of the house. So if you're sitting from 2 to 10 p.m. with a, with an hour and a half dinner break, that's going to be really tough with the back injury. So I feel like he's probably being slightly ambitious with that. And I think we're all in that position where you're like, yeah, 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 it'll be fine. But, um, you know, he yeah. said he's made major advancements like he can now sit up. He was... I did a Zoom interview with him and he was gesturing with both hands and he was, um, you know, able to, to point to things. He still had a neck brace in, though, so I do... Um,
1: yeah, and Parliament's not the easiest place to get around, right? There's lots no. of steps, lots of, you know, pretty tricky doors and stuff for people to um, navigate around the place as well.
0: Yeah, I just don't know if it's an environment where you can come and just dip in and out either, so I just think that they might have to... they might, He might have to do some work with the whip just to... Yeah. You know, go for it. Go for an hour or so, or just when he's needed. But also, the other thing is, is with the power of Zoom these days, why not recover at home and come in when you need to? Um, you know, you're still representing. And take
1: that time to recuperate. I think mm-hmm. so,
0: but yeah. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention as well is um, where we've got the Prime Minister heading off from her with her first trip overseas since COVID um at the end of the month she'll be heading to Singapore and Japan and planning to go to Japan as well so that's a big step um I'll hopefully all going well be traveling with her and um yeah big a, a big moment after two years of all of us being here in New Zealand going up and reconnecting and making those face-to-face uh connections again so um yeah that was a that was a big big thing for this week too.
2: Not a pit, but perhaps another peak um, for all the political nerds out there, uh, in that the Tauranga by-election date was announced uh, this week by the Prime Minister. So mark it in your diaries, 18th of June, let's ooh, get ooh. to Tauranga, find yourself a seat at the pub and watch those votes roll in. I do love a good by-election, eh? Yes, I love a good by-election. Um Interesting to note uh, from the ACT Party, of course, they've announced their candidate, Cameron Luxeton. not to be confused with Christopher, the other C Luxton, but Cameron Luxeton. No, no. Chris Luxon.
1: Chris, <laughs> Chris. Cam, <laughs> Luxton. Cam <laughs> Luxton. What
2: Luxeton? did I say? You s- you mix
0: them around the other way. You said it- so. It's Christopher Luxon. Yes, but you said Luxton. It's
2: all right. This, oh. Isn't this the whole point? Isn't that what, what? Joe, you've got Joe Lux. You've got Joe <laughs> Luxton from Labor. You've got Christopher Luxon, yeah. from the Nats. Yeah. Now we possibly may have Cameron Luxerton from ACT. I mean, tell me if <laughs> you're Luxton. not confused. Luxton. Cameron <laughs> Luxerton is the is the ex Luxton. Camp- Oh well, it's spelt L U X O T O E. I mean, personally, so, I think right. Luxeton sound like a lexicon. Look, if you've got a zero, if you've got an O after the X, you know, you're going to confuse people. Yeah, yeah. There and needs to be a point of different, different. Yeah, totally. Um, but I
0: do think that there's um, it will appeal to the ACT party <laughs> about this. Anyway, rubric. what I was
1: going to say, L U X T O N.
2: All right, can I just call out <laughs> Jason Walls from the New Zealand Herald? My no, very best. <laughs> <laughs> for
1: God's sake! Oh, hey, well, for God's this sake! this is great. No, this would, is would you good? like to finish calling? Oh, yes. call on, out no. Hang on,
2: I'm going to come back. I'm going to come back in five well, minutes. I'm just going to okay. go and have a water. Well, well it will be anyway. So, I am going to call out Jason because yeah. I got that name from his tweet just you know thirty seconds prior. Yeah. To announcing that name. Yeah. well, He spelt it incorrectly. But Jason might be
0: a bit shaken up because his political editor, um, Mr Barry Soper, who has been legend of the press gallery, is is now officially making a move to go on, on paternity leave. So
2: Jason might be a bit shook up at the moment well, um, with if, that. Well, you know, if he wants that top job at ZB <laughs> as political editor, he better get the correct spelling of Cameron Luxon. Yeah.
1: Luxon. Right.
2: Yeah. Oh, for God's
1: sake. Hey, Mikey, but you Thanks you're for in-
2: joining us on <laughs> One yeah. News Inside Parliament. My, it's Mikey's my first just podcast out. back yeah. for a while, guys. Did I mention that I hey, had COVID not too long well, ago? You're not,
1: you're not the only person who gets things wrong, <laughs> Mikey. Um, last week, um, our, our podcast also made Radio New Zealand's Media Watch program. Now, they, they ran a little segment of um, uh, just talking about some of the um, David... Seymour's Zingers that they made, but they butchered the name of our podcast. It is Inside Parliament, not Inside Politics. And shortly before they did that, they also got the job title of a journalist Mm -hmm. wrong. So yeah, getting a few things wrong there on Media Watch too.
0: Yeah, but well done. Benedict is the Media Watch of Media Watch.
1: The Watcher. He's the the Watchdog of the Watcher. Anyway, moving on to to, to bigger news.
0: Dr. Ashley Ashley Bloomfield. Bloomfield. Yeah, he's leaving early. Yeah, a year early from his contract. He was meant to, um, it's five terms for a Director General of Health. Um, They don't always see out the five years um, and Dr. Bloomfield is deciding not to. And um, yeah, announcing his resignation on Tuesday morning, wasn't it? So, um, you know, there are a few tears in the in the press gallery. I think, you know, regardless of how people Were feel there? about I mean <laughs> From not who? Not an hour name us. and shame. No, I don't, shame. Think, I don't think we should, just in case Media Watch is listening again. Um, but I think that you know regardless of how you think some of the you know, some of the stances that the government has taken, you have to I think most New Zealanders would agree that um, Dr Ashley Bloomfield has done a um, very strong job of communicating to the public and advising the government um, in his role as Director General of Health. And it was really interesting when we went out, and granted it was in Wellington on Lampton Quay, so that's you know a, a pretty up-to-date, educated um Part, part, of, political part of New Zealand, but when we asked people, you know, what do you think of Dr Ashley Bloomfield? There were some quite emotional responses from people, you know, just describing his character and and saying they were quite sad. So, what what did you guys make of it?
2: Oh, look, hats off to the guy. I mean, he did a stellar job in a very difficult time and a period of the unknown, you know. It was just a whole new territory for the entire country. Um, and, yeah, you have to say that he, that he did a good
1: job. It's funny, I can remember a couple of years ago, um, Dr. Bloomfield being at um, a select committee. Actually, Jason Walls was there too. And it was like their annual review and afterwards we sat up outside waiting for dr bloomfield to come out to ask him some questions i can't remember what they were and he walked out and he just walked straight past us and obviously that's you know kind of like a um, red flag to a bull when a um, chief executive does that after and i just thought oh you know how hopeless is that and then it wasn't that long after that that the pandemic broke out and all of a sudden you know he went from someone who Thought was somewhat hopeless to someone who you know who turned out to be a pretty good communicator, and especially once we went into those lockdowns. And from what I understand, he he was quite uncomfortable. I think often coming into these those one o'clock presses and, and and fielding all those questions from from reporters. You know, it was a real pressure cooker environment. There's nothing else going on in the in the country. You know, that we were especially. early on. We were locked down, everyone was tuned into those um, presses. And yeah, I think by and large they got things right. We would often get a bit frustrated. It seemed like the Ministry of Health would always be you know, a bit behind um, the, the rest of the world when it came to things like, you know, wearing masks, um, PPE. PPE, stuff like that. There'd, there'd often be a, a bit of a lag and you'd even have your, um, you know, your Professor Michael Bakers and be like, you've got to do this, you've got to do this. And, and Dr. Bloomfield, you know, they would they'd often be a bit behind the rest of the science and, and the way things would often end up going that way eventually in the end anyway. But I yeah, think, he was. But he, you know, he was always pretty good humoured, and, and and you know, would answer the questions really genuinely.
0: And one thing that I think it raises is, um, Chris Hopkins, the COVID nineteen response minister, came out at his press conference on Tuesday and said, you know, it's the the end of the era of the um, ash and chippy show, and kind of laughed. But to me, it really was the. Um, Ashley Bloomfield and Jacinda Ardern show. And I think those Mm. four o'clock presses on a Monday where they made their decisions, the two of them stood there um, for hours in front of the public. And I think it raises some really interesting issues about the politicisation of public servants. And I think for a lot of people, Dr Bloomfield will be associated with the Prime Minister in lots of ways. They are seen as a team and as a unit. And yes, us sitting in the press gallery in Parliament understand the separation between Dr Ashley Bloomfield and the Prime Minister, but I think for um, people on the street, it it might not be quite so clean cut. And it just raises some interesting questions about, um, you know, the next Director General of Health. Do they need to have... um, communication skills and media training skills do they need to be you know to that high level um, do they need to um, criticize the guy I just think it raises some interesting issues to have such a high profile pretty
1: sure, yeah pretty sure the Labour Party even put them in one of his ads for a short time before quickly removing him and apologizing yes, yes.
0: Mm. so you know things like that I just think it raises some interesting questions and it's not a criticism I, I'm not sure if it.
1: Especially when you turn up at post right, where they'd start yeah. off talking about COVID, but then things would get quite political and he'd still be standing there, sort yeah. of up there and up on the stage, sharing the stage.
2: Well, look, I think we need to see more of that sort of thing. I think we need to see more of the, you know, our, our, our top public servants fronting up to the media, like we saw with Bloomfield, which actually can be quite handy um, for us, and especially on some of the big issues. These are the guys that have bigger salaries than the Prime Minister, You know, and they are running major departments and responsible for major um, policy decisions and influence behind the scenes. Which you know, some argue, you know, bureaucrats largely run governments um, uh, to some extent, to a huge extent. So to hear more from them, I think you know, we we probably should see more of that.
1: And and he runs a ministry where public servants are basically their comms team just refuse to make anyone ever available for an interview. Mm. You know they, they are just this the comms team there is just an absolute block, an absolute wall. They refuse just about every single media request I've It'll be ever made for an interview be interesting. the Ministry of Health team. You know they really a lot of people are really unaccountable there, I feel. It'll be interesting
2: so, to yeah. see who takes over from mm. Ashley Bloomfield, because, of course, Carol McElnay has also stepped down. Mm. And they are still going through the throes of the um, court case with uh, the likes of John Tummy et cetera, over the Māori data issue. They've got the health reforms coming up in July. Mm. It's, it's a big
0: time. Um, speaking of a big time, uh, we've been hearing from Louisa Wall quite a bit This week, What did you guys make of that? She's announcing um, she'll leave.
1: Well, it was a little bit frustrating that she wasn't at Parliament on the day and, um, you know, wasn't available for interviews that day either, wasn't it? Um,
0: Yeah, and and I have to say that her um, media team did seem surprised at our request for an interview with her. Yeah, quite...
1: Very um, managed, wasn't a very managed yeah. kind of kind of exit there by the, the yeah. Labour Party of one of their MPs that I think they've struggled to um, rein in at times. Who was, you know, quite outspoken on on certain issues, and I think you know probably annoyed some of her. What well, definitely annoyed some yeah. of her colleagues. Um, but has throughout been her time highly effective Party. and I I, remember, incredibly effective, yeah. right? When you look at the legislation that she's got through, uh, you know, brilliant on that yeah. front.
0: I did um, a entry interview with her when she first came into Parliament, like, sort of as one of the up-and-coming stellar MPs, and, you know, she was an ex-Silver Fern, um, played rugby, like, she just was this um, incredible candidate for for Labour to secure, and um, she she did transfer that into getting bits of legislation. I mean, the um, marriage equality bill will go down as one of the big um, momentous pieces of legislation in in our history and you know being there watching that um, piece of legislation I remember that moment in the house and and thinking what a game changer this is so she was part of some really big stuff but she just raked up people the
2: wrong way well I I think she was hard done by You know, because when we, you know, we always hear that, you know, these things about, um, you know, she she had sharp elbows and she um, spoke out of school at times, but who really can point to many of those instances in public? Was it behind closed doors? Like, why was she not um, promoted given that she did secure Labor's only huge major win during its time in opposition? Given that she's been such an effective MP and one of the hard work, most hardworking MPs in its caucus, and yet still, you know, she hasn't been promoted. That hasn't been explained well enough, and I just don't know that it's good enough to have such a strong performing MP um, not be elevated and not be given reasons as to why that is. It's just something that was dealt with internally, you know, within the party, and whether it was fair or not, we will never know really. And and I guess what goes to show in politics in particular
0: is the way you have to um, play the game behind closed doors as well as in the public arena. You know what I mean? It's You have to manage a caucus as well as being a public figure and the representative of your electorate, et cetera, et cetera. And I think um, there are people who... Who don't play that game, and I think she, it's fair to say that she's one of them. And you're right, I think it, it raises the question for Labor you know, do you, is that something to be valued, um, or is it something that holds someone someone back?
2: Yeah, is it, yeah, that's right, is it something to be. So she's moving on now to, to what role? To she be... is the
1: Pacific Gender Equality mm. Ambassador. Freshly um, appointed by her um, colleague Nanaya Mahuta, mm. um, Minister, um, Foreign Affairs Minister. So yeah, I, I suspect that may have played quite a big role in her quiet um, well, it's, departure. What
2: Has it been quiet though? Well, in
1: terms of her not fronting and going, going quietly, you know, mm, not speaking up.
2: I mean, there was certainly a dig better. there in the, in the press release that she put out, right? Mm. Also yeah. alluding back to her electorate.
0: Yeah, and just to a little hint,
2: watch this ship. space,
0: I would... I would think as well. A little bit of a hint to our listeners there. I just
2: would see, let's see how that plays out over the next few days mm. too. The um, annoying thing for us is that at the moment Labour uh, MPs have their caucus run online. Yeah. And so we just that's don't have change, an opportunity eh? to um, to access all of its MPs, including mm. the backbenchers. Um, so that's quite difficult. Yeah.
1: It has really changed things, I think, from a, from a TV especially for TV, having yeah. you know, so um, so much less access to um, mm. the politicians than we used to have with so much more of it being online. Absolutely, yeah. totally valid having it all online with um, COVID running rampant. Really good, I think, moves have been made around Parliament to try and reduce contact between people. But yeah, on, on the flip side, not so good for um, <laughs> TV think, in terms of getting action and drama. But and perhaps there also should be a
0: rule that if we request an MP for caucus run, there is an obligation to provide a Zoom or a whatever for mm. them, and in the case of Louisa Wall, you know we would have we would have interviewed her in Bridgetown, so there should be an obligation to provide that access. So we'll see. But talking talking of limited access, um, Mr. Collins requested an interview with the um, police minister this week. Um, that that was turned down, um, but then ended up. When he talked to her on the bridge run when she came through, uh, was a bit of a bit of an interesting one. Do you want to walk us yeah. through that?
1: Yeah. So the National Party had obtained some figures. So what they asked the police for was how have, what have, what's happened to response times over the last five years, and the police came back and said look, we can't tell you the average response times because some crimes we just don't get to. We just don't get there, and that blows out the average. So what they did is they gave the National Party and they broke it down by police district, um, basically how long it's taken them to get to crimes, priority one and priority two crimes, those are are your really serious ones, um, over the last five years. And they said, look, the the figure the police used was um, we get there either... 90% of the time, we get there this quickly or faster, right? So, for example, we'll just take Auckland Central. And in 2017, officers were arriving in 26 minutes or less, 90% of the time. And this year, that had hit one hour and 49 minutes. Now, you might think, oh, it would be because of Omicron and stuff like that. But it, it did show that the figures showed things have consistently got slower and slower and slower with the police. So, I got these figures. I thought, wow. So, I went to the police minister's office and they said, and I said, hey, can we get an interview? And they said, no, 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 this, this is operational. She's, she wouldn't front on this. And I said, well, you know, a lot of people would be a bit disturbed by these figures. And, and they kind of thought, yep, yeah, but still we're not, um, they agreed with that, but said, no, our minister's not being interviewed on this. Ah, but she had to walk across the um, bridge during question time. So I, so I stopped her and I said, hey, can we have a chat? And she said, no, not stepping into this. This is operational. Um, I'm not across the detail, which is kind of surprising, given not only have we I sent the figures through to them that morning, but she would have signed off on that OAA in the first place before it got sent to the National Party. Um, now, yeah, national um, thought that was pretty um, hopeless from the police minister, and so so that was on Wednesday. We, we ran a story that night with um, Christopher Luxon in it, um, and basically saying he felt that the minister was all at sea, and that you know people were going to be really worried about these big blowouts in response times. Uh, across the country, South Island not so bad, North Island, especially up in North Island, had got much, much slower. So Thursday, smelling um, blood in the water, the National Party went after Portal Williams, the police minister, uh, like sharks. Um, in, in question time, Nicola Wallace going after um, the Prime Minister, but Grant Robertson was filling in, saying, you know, how is this acceptable that the minister's giving these answers? Why isn't she across the detail? Uh, Mark... Um, Mark Mitchell, Mitchell going after Porto as well, National's police spokesperson. So yeah, a lot of criticism is set there. And also Chris Bishop going after her in another portfolio um, that she holds as well, Associate Housing. So they were all after her over that over that, um, response to us. And
0: she did front on the Thursday. She, she did, indeed.
1: Yeah. So uh, after this, uh, on the Wednesday, deciding it was all operational and she didn't want to get involved. On Thursday, she'd been freshly briefed uh, by the police and was all across the details. And what she said is, look when it's an absolute emergency, it's priority one, police are still getting there pretty quickly, right? It's got a little bit slower, but not too much. I've actually, the police sent me through the figures. Um, Four years ago, they were getting there in 7 minutes 40. Now it's out to 8 minutes 20 in an urban area. In rural areas, it's gone from about 12 to 15 minutes. They've got a bit slower. But she said it's those priority two cases. The next level down, and that's where, say, there's an offender present. Maybe it's someone breaking into your shed or whatever, someone breaking into your van, but you're not physically... That's where it's really blown out. It's taking the police a lot, lot longer to respond in those cases. So, yeah, pretty interesting um, detail there uh, and about what's happening with like police. And did you get a bit
0: more detail about um, why that is happening at that priority two level?
1: Yeah, so there's a few things going on. So there's um, a huge amount of mental health call-outs, right, going up and up and up. Um, and they, I think the police are a bit frustrated. They basically you have to stay with that person until they can get a mental health crisis team out to take to look after them to make sure that you know nothing bad's going to happen. So that's tying up a lot of time, and they're getting called out to huge amount of domestic violence, or now called family harm incidents as well. Um, and if they go to a family harm incident, they have to get statements from, you know, the, the partner if there's children there, they have to get statements from the children they might have to wait for other agencies to turn up to look after the kids depending on what's to what's going on so that those are just taking up a huge amount of time chuck in myq where they've been had lots of officers there at myq sprinkle um,
0: a bit of covid in there
1: yep you've not only you know you, you you've got officers with covid you've got officers having to isolate because family members have got covid You're a bit of a perfect storm here, and that was responsible mm. for those huge blowouts and that 90% of the time data that, that they uh, originally supplied the National Party. So pretty interesting story there this point. Yeah,
0: week. and interesting to be able to give that background, and I guess that's what we try and do on the podcast is take you a bit inside um, you know, the background of, of what these stories are. Did you have some last thoughts?
2: Yeah, I think the background is that it was an absolute shambles by Portal Williams, and she should be watching her job if there's a reshuffle, surely her name may be on the list. Because this isn't the first time she's raised eyebrows as to whether or not she's competent enough in her role. She's been under sustained pressure in that portfolio. And I think this is just a, a time where you, Benedict, but also the National Party have found a chink that they've been able to or a little crack where they've been able to pick at that would just you know kind of widen the holes in her performance.
0: But it also feels and like brings if she to
2: question whether or not she has a viable future in that portfolio.
0: And if she'd done on the foot fir- on the second day,
1: oh, on the on first, the first day. day, yeah,
0: it probably would have been one story. Well,
1: because absolutely, and there is good context there, right, yeah. with the MIQ facilities, with the COVID. That's all, yeah. you know. I mean, uh, Which is why it wasn't it's that hard, right? To be yeah. to be across to be able to talk generally about things, yeah. even if you needed to say, "Hey, look, I'm going to get a," "Hey, I want to get an extra briefing from the police to, so I can come back to you but with all the good details." Yeah. yeah, I mean, that, that, that's the way any competent yeah. minister would but have handled it. But she
2: should it, right? have had a, a stock standard answer ready to go for the bridge. You know, you'd requested an interview in the morning. You'd, been you'd sent the detail. Yeah, her office knew, her media team knew that you were pursuing this issue of course they would expect you to be on the bridge. Obviously she was walking the bridge and yet she was ill prepared. I mean, if I was Andrew Campbell, the chief media, you know, manager for the Labour Party, for the government, I'd be going over to whoever Porter Williams press secretary is and having a word or two with them as well. Absolute shambles. And there we go. (laughs) We'll leave it
0: there. This, was One News Inside Parliament, our regular catch-up about the political stories we've been covering on One News. We are on the Gram, Twitter, and Facebook. And Media Watch. Yeah, yeah, and Media Watch. Um, It's available most weeks on your favourite podcasting apps, and we'll see you guys next week or the week after. Toodaloo!